Well, this is one of my favorite weekends of the year. This is like up there with, you know, Thanksgiving weekend or something like that, where you get to <laughs> get to be with people you love. You get to be encouraged. You get to enjoy um, just fellowship and connection. And um, you guys maybe got a little taste of the singing that we have been enjoying in Epic. It's always a highlight. Uh, just really, really beautiful, powerful singing. And that's why we chose this year to make Epic all built around songs. And uh, there's a particular song that I think just about everybody knows. And it's written by this, this woman, Charlotte Elliott, British woman, who was an invalid. And in fact, she wrote a, a hymnal called the Invalid's Hymnal. Uh, yeah, the in Invalid's Hymnal. And she was the editor of it. And she contributed over 100 hymns to it that she composed herself. Years before she started doing that work, she found herself discouraged and doubting. And she felt like she didn't have anything really to contribute. And she went to an evangelist and she said, what can I bring to God? And he said to her, all you need to bring is yourself. Those words changed her thinking completely about her life and her purpose and who she was before God. And she wrote some famous words just as I am, without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. Today's lesson is a simple one. Three points. Just as I am, O Lamb of God, I come. Some of you may have seen our family just recently started watching this show called The Chosen. And it's, it's a fictionalized account of Jesus' disciples. And this is a picture of Levi in the, in the story, or Matthew. And my kids, I could tell, were just getting wrapped in this newfound understanding as they watched it of who Matthew was and what it meant to be a tax collector for the Romans in a Jewish city. How outcast he was as a Jew working for the enemy, ripping people off, taken from the top, living so much more wealthy than anybody else around him. How strained his relationships were. How much of a sinner he was thought to be. And then Jesus comes and calls him. Our text is going to be found in Luke chapter 5. And that's where we see the story of Levi as part of, uh, part of this triptych, I would say, of stories. You know, a triptych is three paintings. Like there's a, a famous triptych, through collection of three paintings by Hieronymus Bosch called uh, The Garden of Earthly Delights. And if you look at just one picture, you don't get the whole story. But if you look at all three together, you start to get a bigger sense of what's happening. And that's what Luke does here in Luke chapter 5. He tells us a story about a leper, a story about a lame man, and a story about Levi. We'll come back to that. 
I thought about this idea of just as I am. I loved this picture of this guy carrying a backpack. We all show up wherever we are with some baggage with us, right? We all bring a collection, not all bad, just good and bad and all kinds of things. Attitudes, habits, ways of thinking, relationships. Whenever I came to the Lord, I showed up with my backpack. I showed up with, with desires that were good. And I showed up with desires that were not good. I showed up with, um, with a past, with stories that I was ashamed of. And I showed up with a confidence in Jesus that he could heal me. And I went down into the waters of baptism, confessing Jesus, believing in him, repenting, turning to him and dying to myself as, as I went into those waters. And when I came out of the water, I didn't have any more sin. But you know what followed me home? <laughs> Some of those things that were in my backpack. You know, there was, I was still the same guy. Before God, in a way, everything changed. I'm a child of God now. I'm not carrying any more guilt, zero guilt for my sins. And yet I had the same relationships. I had some of the same ways of thinking. But I started a journey that day with Jesus, continually living humbly and honestly before him so that he could continue every day to change me, to work in me, to help me as I sought him. We've been talking a lot this weekend about this idea of finding what you seek and the importance of making sure what you're seeking is the right thing. If you want to change what you're finding, change what you're seeking. You want to change what you're getting, change what you're wanting. And so we've talked a lot about what we're pursuing. And when I came out of that water, I had repented, which means to turn to Jesus and to seek him and to seek his ways. And so I've tried to sort out that backpack over the years before him. And it's really important to me to tell, especially the young people, because I want, wish that somebody had told me this years ago, that over time, you find again and again what you seek. Over time, if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you will be satisfied. Just as I am. So this lesson has two simple purposes to, for two different groups of people. Maybe you find yourself in one of these two groups of people. The first is for those who have not come to Christ. And I want to encourage you to come. And the second is for those who have come to Christ. And the encouragement is keep coming. And I bet you're in one of those two groups. Because we draw near to God and what does he do? James 4, 8, when we draw near to God, he draws near to us. We come to him in faith and obedience. We come to him seeking him, not perfectly, but in the way that he's told us to. And he comes to us. If there's a thousand steps between you and God, he's going to take 999 of them. He already has in the cross. But we come too. We must come. He won't force it on any of us. 
start us off by thinking about three ways not to come. If you're thinking wherever you are, eh, I don't know if I want to come. I don't know if I want to come to Jesus. Maybe you're thinking of putting it off. Adrian gave me permission to tell this story. She, so I keep wanting to give her this gift just as, just as a way of making things easier, you know, just a blessing to lighten the load of, uh, hey, why don't we hire a cleaning service to come in and, and just do a, do a big clean on the whole house? What do you think? And, you know, I, I think she loves the idea, but here's the problem. Before you come have a cleaning service come in, she wants to do a deep clean herself. I don't want them to see my mess. You got to pick up the clutter and then you got to get deeper in the clean. And once it's all clean, then somebody can come in and clean it. I think we sometimes approach our lives like that. Maybe coming to Christ like that. More than once I've studied, had a Bible study with someone who said, I just need to get my life right and then I'll come to Christ. That's not how it works. You're, you're working without, you're, you're like, a, like a flashlight without batteries. If you're trying to do it before you come to Christ, you got to submit to Jesus. You got to obey him. You got to look to him for strength and grace and help and mercy, forgiveness, and to be able to call on him in prayer, to be able to be part of a community of faith in the church. We come to the Lord imperfect. I mean, that's such an understatement. We come to the Lord so far from what he calls us to be. He is the standard and we are not near it. But we come just the way we are. Another way not to come is to protect yourself. I come from a long line of men who don't like doctors. And especially on my dad's, I mean, not that I have anything against doctors. I don't think Brett is here today. I don't know. But we love doctors as people, but just don't like going to doctors, right? And I've had uncles that, you know, that were lifetime smokers. I've had... Uh, family that just had bad destructive habits and and you might be breathing labored and you might be coughing every other breath you take but oh, I don't need a doctor and maybe your grown-up daughter drags you to the to the doctor and the doctor says okay I'd like to examine you what's wrong ah nothing's wrong <coughs> Nothing's wrong. You know, because he might tell you you got to quit smoking. He might tell you you got changes. You don't know what he's going to say. There's nothing wrong with you. You want to protect yourself. And so the physician can't heal you if you don't let them. If you keep denying that there's a problem and trying to protect yourself. And that brings us to the last one. You know, you always hear the story that in prison, there's not a single guilty person. Right? Now, do they really think that they weren't in that house robbing it or, you know, Grand Theft Auto, that that wasn't them driving the car? No, but they're pretending. We can do that. 
We could do that as a church. We could, we could just pretend that we all have it all together and it's all perfect all the time. You can do that before you come to Jesus. Pretend that you don't need him. I'm pretty good. I'm mostly okay. There are no pretenders in fellowship with God. There are no pretenders in fellowship with God. Whenever we sin, after we're already baptized believers, the way we find fellowship with him again, the way we stay in the light, according to 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 to 10, is we don't lie about our sin, we acknowledge it, right? So we talked this weekend about honesty. We just sang songs like, um, like Michael's song about being enough for my God that says, as still I walked a shameful fraud. There is a, there's a syndrome that people have. It was discovered, um, I think 40 years ago or so, called imposter syndrome. And this imposter syndrome, the idea is people become so afraid that someone's going to find out that they're not as smart and as skilled and as successful as they're projecting, that they become paranoid about it. And they feel in their own life like, like they don't belong, like they're fakes, like they're frauds. And if we go around pretending like we are not just as we are, then we can't be healed. We have to, you know, it's the Alcoholic Anonymous thing, right? You have to acknowledge you have a problem. And then you can be healed. So we have to, as we sin, we repent and we confess our sins to God. We have to be honest about who we are when we come. Just as I am. Let's go back here to Luke chapter 5. The leper, the lame man, and Levi. So first Jesus comes to this leper and he says, if you will, this leper, you can cleanse me. This man had faith. And Jesus says, I will. And he reaches out and he touches him. Now, according to the old, old law, according to the Levitical law, Jesus touching this man would do what to Jesus? You would think it would make him unclean because this man is unclean. You touch the unclean leper, then you become ceremonially unclean. But Jesus has a contagious cleanness. The uncleanness can't touch Jesus. Jesus touches the uncleanness and it goes away. And he's healed of his leprosy. This is this first story, the starting to foreshadow, we're building towards a greater kind of cleansing, a greater kind of healing that when Jesus touches us, he brings to us, despite our sin, despite our past, despite our guilt and our shame, when we come to Jesus and Jesus touches us and our lives, we are cleansed. That's, that's where this story is going. So then he goes a step further. The next step in the next story is this lame man, and there's so many crowds around Jesus, huge crowd. No, nobody can get to him, so these men find a way to carry their paralytic friend and bring him in through the roof, you know, tear a hole in the roof and get him in to see Jesus. 
And Jesus, seeing this great faith, he says, you remember, he doesn't heal him. <laughs> Not right away. Remember this? He says, your sins are forgiven. He just gave the real healing, didn't he? He just gave the true, not only cleanness, but health and wholeness that this man needed. But people started questioning. The Pharisees are grumbling amongst themselves. Who is this that can say, uh, forgive sins? And Jesus said, so that you know, I have the authority to forgive sins be healed, arise and walk. And the guy gets up and he starts walking. Which was the greater miracle? Which was the greater act? If you had to choose, if you couldn't walk and you had to choose one of those two things, which would you choose? The power is in the transformation of our spirit to be in fellowship with God, guilt-free and cleansed. And then we get to Levi, that tax collector nobody wants to be around, this sinner. Jesus comes to him and says, follow me. And Levi leaves his tax booth and he follows him. And everybody says, why are you with sinners? Why are you with tax collectors? What makes them have the right to be with you? What makes you think they should be, that you should be with them? We might ask ourselves, am I qualified to be a Christian? Am I qualified to come to Christ? Am I qualified for Jesus to save me? Remember that song, Just As I Am, it says, and that thy blood was shed for me. Who was the blood shed for? You know, the Marines, there used to be this thing, the few, the proud, the Marines, we're looking for a few good men. Jesus is looking for exactly the opposite. When we start, listen to what he says. Verses 31 to 32, Jesus answered, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus is looking for sinners to save. And all of a sudden, the worst news of our life, I'm a sinner, just became good news. I am qualified to be saved by Jesus. I just have to turn to him in repentance. I just have to do what he says. The song that we're going to sing here in a few minutes says, I come broken to be mended. I come wounded to be healed. In Jeremiah 31, verses 12 to 13, we read about how Jeremiah described the wounds of God's people. God says here in verses 12 and 13, I'm sorry, Jeremiah 30, verses 12 and four to 14. For thus says the Lord, your hurt is incurable 
and your wound is grievous. There is none to uphold your cause. No medicine for your wound, no healing for you. There's nothing we can do about it. It's a terminal case. The human condition, broken. Or anyone, keep reading the chapter, anyone but the Lord. We'll come back to that. And in Psalm 51 and verse 17, right after uh, what uh, Mason read, we read that a broken and contrite heart God will not despise. As David comes before God pleading for mercy after his sin with Bathsheba. The song we'll sing says, I come guilty to be pardoned. I come desperate to be rescued. I come empty to be filled. These pictures make me think of what has been our theme parable. If we had to pick a parable for this weekend, the prodigal son. And we see there in, in verses 14 to 19, he literally has an empty belly. Can't find anything to eat. Nobody to help him as he sits in a pigsty. He is so desperate, he's willing to do anything. And he's so guilty, he's ashamed to come before his father and claim that he's his son. And so he comes to himself and he works out this whole scheme. I'm going to come back and I'm going to say, just take me back as a servant. Guilty, desperate, and empty. I remember whenever I um, became a Christian, and I, it's easy to forget what it was like before you became a Christian, at least for me, because I've, I've been a Christian a long time. But I, I spent some time this weekend as I was preparing for this, thinking about where I was when I came to Christ. In a lot of ways, I mean, I was, had a very blessed life. In so many ways, if you were looking from the outside, you would say, not much changed from the day before he was baptized to the day after he was baptized. But if you could look a little deeper, you would see a secret weight of shame that I carried with me. You would see... Uh, almost obsessive fear of death, just thinking about it all the time. You would see a self-absorption that really affected all of my relationships, uh, self-focus, self-doubt, just all about self. You'd see an aimlessness. I mean, I had some moral standards, but my moral standards were mostly about what other people saw and imposed on me rather than a personal conviction. Here I stand. And occasionally I would pray. But at night, in the quiet, when nobody was around, I felt so lonely sometimes. That's where I was. The, that was my experience of it. And the Bible fleshes out all of that. Colossians 1, 13 and 14 says, I was in the domain of darkness, but he has delivered me from the domain of darkness and brought me forgiveness of sins. I was a slave to the flesh and to sin. 
I was ever in every moment in peril of an eternal danger. And then I came to Christ. I came to the Lamb of God. The only one who could save me. I could not save myself. I am not the hero of my story, right? I am not the star of my movie. Jesus, the Lamb of God, had to come and rescue me. What can cleanse and heal us? What can wash away my sin? Nothing. That's what Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 30 before you get a little further down. Nothing. Wouldn't it be tragic if that was the end of the song? What can wash away my sin? Nothing but what? The blood of Jesus. There's an answer. It's the Lamb of God. John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, says in John 1.29, as Jesus is walking by, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Isaiah in his famous, epic, magnificent poem of the servant song in Isaiah 53, in verse 5, says that by his wounds we are healed. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. He invites us to come just as we are. But of course, he loves us too much to leave us that way. It's not about come as you are and leave as you are. It's come as you are to be changed. I come broken to be mended. I come guilty to be pardoned. I come to be healed. We don't come to wallow in our brokenness. We come to find wholeness in him. We acknowledge when we see this is where I am. And we turn and we are healed. Isaiah 6, as Jesus quotes it, you're, you're having eyes to see. You don't see and ears to hear. You don't hear lest you would see and hear and turn and be healed. But we come to be changed. And I have to tell you, I am mended. <laughs> I'm whole. I'm healed. Doesn't mean I don't fall into a destructive pit of sin occasionally. And what do I do? I go back to the only place I can go. The great physician who heals me. And I'm healed. And I... I'm in a different place all, all, after 25 years of being a Christian than I was before. Have not, have not arrived. But we keep growing in him. And every day, he makes us more and more into the image of Christ. I come to be rescued and filled. I have been rescued. The Bible talks about salvation as a reality that is past, that is present, and that is future. You will be saved when Jesus comes again. You are saved right now. You have been saved on the day you came to Jesus. I come to be pardoned and welcomed. And we go back to the prodigal son where we see the father's arms open and a kiss and an embrace upon the son that's come back. We find forgiveness. We find love. O Lamb of God, I come.
we have to come. How do I come? We have to come in faith. I come believing that you bid me to come. I come believing that you're the one, the only one who can rescue, the only one who can heal. I come believing that when my deeds aren't enough, your sacrifice is enough. My grace is sufficient for you. Paul is told by Jesus in 2 Corinthians 12. How do I come? I come repenting. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Jesus came for sinners and to bring them to repentance, to turn. Repentance doesn't mean that from then on, okay, now I've got it figured out. I'm perfect. Repentance means I'm committed now to Christ. And when I fall, I'll turn back to him. I come confessing him, taking that stand. We talked about the power of words. I confess that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. I come dying and buried and rising again from the waters of baptism in Jesus Christ. I live the gospel story and I'm changed when I come. But what if I have already done all of that? Well, then you're just good, right? No, you keep coming. Whenever, whenever James says, draw near to God and he draws near to you, that's not just for the alien sinner. He says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he'll lift you up. He says, submit to God and resist the devil. Those are two military terms. Submit meaning surrender. Give up the fight to God, but pick up the fight against Satan. I surrender all to Jesus Christ. As I am and waiting not. If someone were to draw out a line of your life, and there's all the valleys and peaks and all the things you journey through. After you have sinned against God and walked away, and you ask, what is the perfect place for me to come to Christ? I ask you, where does it intersect with today? Today is the day of salvation. If you're not a Christian, today is the day to be a Christian, to be saved, to have hope, to have confidence, to have life. Today is the day that we come broken, but are healed. May you find salvation in Christ today. If you're a Christian, may you renew your commitment today and every day to follow the one who will lead us home.